Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Ben Futrell, who is the co-founder and managing partner at Max My Profit. He's a business advisor and keynote speaker and also has his own podcast called Business Brain Food, where he interviews leading experts on business building tips. Now, in this episode today, we are moving a bit broader than our usual discussion of legal topics. And instead, we're looking at some of those legal issues in the context of growing and scaling a business. Ben and I in this episode talk about the most common challenges that business owners grapple with when they're scaling up their business. We talk about the risks facing directors and we highlight some action steps that business owners can adopt in order to take their business to the next level. So here we go. listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple, actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. Could you start off perhaps by giving us a bit of your background and how you ended up at Max My Profit? Sure. It's, um, I'll try and give you the short story because sure. I, I, turn, <laughs> I turn 45 next week. So I've been on this planet for a little while now, but uh, I actually didn't do very well at school. I know a lot of people hear this from people that run businesses and and I guess I, I worked out pretty early that I, I, the one thing I didn't want to do, I, had, I remember going through one year where I had just as many jobs as there were months in a year. Uh, and <laughs> And I always say to people, what do you think I learned out of that? And they go, well, that you couldn't work for someone else. And that's 100% correct, is, as I quickly worked out that I'm not a good employee. <laughs> and I ended up starting a transport company, of all things. And, and it was only because when the one job that I did love was being a independent contractor, which is the terminology they use for a courier driver, basically. <laughs> and I had my own van. I was driving around Sydney. But I loved the fact that I was autonomous. I could choose the hours I was going to work. I didn't have to really answer to anybody. If I wanted the day off, I could take the day off. And so that was sort of what I did when I was, uh, you know, I was 18. And that made me realize that I love that sort of thing. But it got me into the transport industry. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have ended up being in the transport industry. But one of the things that happens when, you, when you're really good at knowing your way around Sydney is companies then look for radio operators to be able to operate this fleet. Because back then, you know, computers and GPS wasn't a very big thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I ended up getting a job as a radio operator, but then led to me in a management position and then going one day having what I call an e-seizure, which is that entrepreneurial seizure where I go, you know what, I'm, I'm making all this money for someone else. I could be doing this for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I started a transport company and uh, got about four years into that and was working ridiculous hours. I mean, ridiculous hours. Like I would I would uh, start at five in the morning and I'd finish at nine at night. And that, that was my normal day, mm. five days a week. I had a young family. I had a wife who was really getting fed up with the hours I had to work. I wasn't making any money mm. out of my business. And to be honest with you, I mean, men's depression or depression in, in a whole wasn't really well educated back then, but there was no doubt I was suffering from depression. Mm. I was not feeling good. I was not eating well. Uh, I was not, I was lethargic. I didn't want to be. 
at work. I didn't want to do anything. I wasn't motivated. Mm. And it got to a point where I had to make a decision. And, um, you know, all these things happen at critical points in your life. And the decision I made was that I had to get out of that business. And it was a tough one because I was actually in business with my father-in-law. He funded the, the business when we started it. And uh, But I, I just woke up one morning and said that I've had enough. And I went in and said to him, mate, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to leave. And he said, how, you know, how long we got? And I said, well, I'm going to go today. I just can't do this anymore. And, and, you know, I'd had all sorts of weird thoughts going through my head, which, you know, people with depression would probably understand. And, and I think from that point forward, I actually asked myself the question, Joanna, which is funny. I'd met, a, I'd met a business coach about a month, maybe, no, about six months before that point in my life at a networking event. And you know those networking events where you go, they're breakfast events, and you got you got to do your, I think they call it elevator speech. you got 60 mm. seconds. Yeah. Mm. And he stood up and he said, my name's Andrew. He said, I help business owners make more money and work less hours. And then he, and then he sat down. And, and I thought, but that's exactly what I need. I need this guy. <laughs> and I remember telling my father-in-law about it. And, and he wasn't really open to these new things, so it never happened. But when, when I made that decision to get out of the transport game, I thought, I wonder if I could do what that guy does. I wonder how many business owners are in the same boat I was where I was under the illusion that by working hard, I was actually going to be successful. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, you know, yeah, you know, it's saying the harder you work, the luckier I get. But I don't think that's true, right? So I think it's the smarter you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And um, and so I'd be, I was at that point where I go, I wonder how many, there must be so many other business owners that are struggling and they're working hard under this false impression that working really hard, grinding, grinding, grinding mm. is what's going to make them successful. And really all it was doing was costing my personal life, my friendships, my own health, my own mental well-being. Mm. And so I went and seek this guy and said, how do you do what you do? How do I do? So rather, what you do? And he and he explained to me it was part of a franchise group, and that was business coaching. So it wasn't long; it was only a few months. And I bought a franchise, and then I became a, a really successful business coach in in the sense that I was good at getting clients, good at helping clients grow their businesses through sales and marketing. I then built a team, and then about you know four or five years ago, I decided that the you know I'd outgrown the franchise and I needed to do my own thing. And and I moved on from that, developed new systems, and Max My Profit was born. And Max My Profit is a business that has turned. I feel we've turned business coaching on its head because we're not we're not a business coaching company. Uh, what we are is we're a business growth company, and we support business owners to grow their business. We do have coaches for accountability if people want them, but they don't need to access them. Um, the other thing that I learned after all these years of working with hundreds of businesses was that every business has five different stages of business growth they have to go through. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, what you do, there are commonalities. And they're to do with things like marketing and team and systems and financials, et cetera. So we've developed this. When I say we, it's me and my business partner have developed a, a five-stage, what we call a business acceleration blueprint. And it's a step-by-step process, probably as close as you can get to growing a business through an instruction manual as you're ever going to find mm. for growing a, growing a business. And so Maximum Profit was born and you know it's been going strength to strength. We're finding that people really love the fact that they can access a community, all the tools, the resources, and, uh, and helps them grow their business. Wow, that's great. That's a really good background, Ben. And and so obviously you've been in quite a few businesses yourself and and obviously worked with, it sounds like, many, many businesses over time. Mm. What business, I I guess, are there any commonalities in some of the issues that you've seen businesses facing and grappling with over time? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a few key issues that businesses face or business owners face because businesses are just an entity, right? So yeah. It's usually the business side, and and let's to put it in perspective, Joanna. Most business owners start a business because they're good at what they do, or they love what they do, mm. and they don't have the training to manage the things that they're they're going to have to manage yep. in their business. And so, 
you know, I always say to people, being good at what you do is not enough. And so they are challenged with things. They're challenged with things like, you know, when, when their business grows, they have to hire somebody to help them. That's a decision they, they quite often make. Mm. And they're, cha- they're challenged with hiring. They're challenged with managing people. Yeah. The other thing is you have to go from a, a mindset of, of earning money to making money. A business is is different, right? You're going to get paid for your job within the business, but your business should also make money. It should make profit. That's how businesses survive. Mm. Um, and so you've got to you've got to have a different mindset. I find people are really challenged with thinking about a business as a separate entity to themselves, mm. and and especially very small businesses. You know, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, they they see every dollar as their own dollar, and it's not. It's the business's money, and they should be getting a wage, but they yeah. don't pay themselves that much. Yeah, yeah, and mm. often often I find. In that sense, what one of the issues can also come with the way a business is structured. So, for example, I see that issue as a stronger issue for, for sole traders, for example, who really in their head can't really separate the emotion of the business versus themselves. And then, you know, adopting structures and, you know, most of our or most none of our clients are are sole traders because by the time you get to the point of realising that you need a a lot of legal assistance, you've already sort of realised you need an entity to protect you like a company or a trust structure. Mm. But it's Mm. just one example, I guess, of how the psychology between between how you look at a business and then operate it, you know, really needs to be this separation to you. Yeah, I think there's definitely a difference in being self-employed and owning a business. Mm. And and there's nothing wrong with either. I always say to people, don't be ashamed to just be self-employed. If you're if you're happy to, I guess, take all the risks that, that there are with that, then that's okay. Because there is also a risk with having a business, you know. And and a lot of people out there saying you should be building a business and should be doing this, but a lot of people aren't suited to that. The one thing I've learned, <laughs> Joanna, mm. is some some people just aren't good business owners, right? Mm. That's just a reality. Some people just aren't cut out for it. They're better off having a job, and sometimes they're better off being self-employed. They run their own race. But if they take a holiday, they get sick, of course, their income stops. So they've got to protect themselves for that. Mm. And look, at the, I mean, it's a really interesting point that you're talking about here. And, and, you know, usually in this podcast, I talk more about specific legal issues. And I really like this as an opportunity for us to get a bit deeper into some of these issues, because I, I think your example of running this business and running yourself into the ground through a business and yet not making any money is a phase that many business owners have had in their life and sometimes that phase will never pass in the business that they're in you you know and and I think this is a really hard reality to get to that crunch point of working out when is it what are the signs that I should be leaving a business Mm. and what do you think those signs are I mean I've got an example of some signs in my head which you know which I'll throw in there but I'd, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are do you ever see people or did you ever in your coaching time see businesses that you just said look you've just got to cut it or this is the point where you know you've just got to walk away and maybe the future is in something else or in employment for you definitely and i mean i myself have suffered from that because i think as entrepreneurs we're extremely optimistic yeah so so we get an idea and we think it's the greatest idea on the planet and so we will we will push the envelope to try and make it work Part of it's probably pride, yeah. uh, but part of it is just the passion for what we do is so strong that we just can't imagine that it, that it wouldn't exist. And so yeah. we push harder than we should. And so I've seen plenty of people that have had opportunities, myself included. You know, I've had businesses that just didn't work and I've had to let them go. I've had to shut them down. Um, you know, sometimes that that could be I've, – I've given a business away just to, because it was a distraction. And I think sometimes as business owners we have to think about the fact that, you know, our idea, whilst we might love it <laughs> – 
<laughs> Maybe mm. other people don't. And I quite often look at business people come to me and they say, oh, Ben, I've got this great new idea. Nobody else is doing it. Well, to me, that's alarm bells. I go, well, hang on a minute. If no one else is doing it, <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to sell this thing? Because the easiest thing, I mean, look at look at Uber, for example, right? They just went to a market that already existed that were frustrated with their current options and gave them a new option. Mm. That's the best way to build a business is to is to disrupt a market. And any any industry can do that. You, know, you don't have to disrupt on that scale. But certainly, if you can do something better than your competitors, you're going to win the business. Mm, mm, absolutely. But, you mm. know, and, and I guess then if you're in the business, if the hours are getting on top of you, if you feel like you're getting nowhere and you just can't see – you know, where to go, what, you know, what was your general recommendation or what would have been your recommendation to yourself in the past to work out whether or not this business was viable? Yeah, look, there's a lot of different reasons why a business is not viable. So it's difficult to answer the question as if it's, uh, it was one example. But I think mm. I think there's there's several things you can look at. First of all, are you charging enough? Because if, you're, if your issue is cash flow, and quite often this is the issue, right? So business owners will be working crazy hours because they can't afford to leverage themselves by hiring other people or investing in systems. And so that it'll be a cash flow issue. And quite often it's just because you're not charging enough. And so, you know, you've got to make sure your business model is right. And that means that you've got to be charging enough to make sure you can cover all your fixed expenses, your variable expenses, and have a little bit left over for a rainy day. That's mm. just the reality of it. I think another thing is you've got to make sure market demand is there. So if you're selling something that people don't want to buy, well, then that's really tough, isn't it? So, you know, you, you're, it's going to be a big drain on you to try and market and sell this thing if people aren't really wanting it. So if it doesn't really solve a problem that people need solved, mm. well, then, then you're in trouble, you know. So I think you've got to think about that as well. The third thing is that if you're not really passionate about it, you're not driving it or it's because you're not uh, – you don't have the skills required to do it to build a business and grow a business, then that's something else you have to think about as well. And that's what I always say to people, if you're going to go into business, do an apprenticeship first. I was very lucky – in, in a sense, that I came through it, my business career the way I did because I got to do an apprenticeship with other people who had business experience. Mm. And and I think by working, you know, I did end up finding a job where I worked for several years as a manager inside a transport company. I then partnered with my father-in-law. He'd had his own business for many years beforehand. Uh, my dad had always had businesses. And then when I did finally start my own business as a business coach, of course, you know, I was working with many businesses. So it was a huge, a huge apprenticeship when you think about how yeah. many years experience I had of trying different things in different industries with different people. So I think I think there's many reasons why businesses don't work. I think the thing is just if something's not working is really be objective about it. Take a step back and try and work out, you know, is this viable? Put a model together. Go and speak to other people. Get outsiders' opinion. Um, there's plenty of people out there that be willing to uh, to sit with you for half an hour over a cup of coffee and, and just bounce some ideas off them and say, what do you think? Do you think yeah. this is going to work? You know? Yeah. Mm. And I think also at this point, I should say business owners need to be very careful if they're at this point where they have cash flow issues and, and they're barely able to pay themselves. Because if you're barely able to pay yourself, then it means that you're in a crunch position where if something was to happen to your business in a negative way, often you've not got the buffer to deal with it. So you mm. just need to make sure you're protected personally, your assets are protected and you're you're in a space where you, once again, you've got this business that's separated to you and if the worst happens and you have to close it down, that it doesn't close down your own personal assets as well. You know, it doesn't yeah. take you out in terms of your asset holding. Let's take a short break. When we get back, we'll launch into a discussion about the most common challenges that business owners grapple with when they're scaling up their business. We'll also drill into the real risks of personal liability that directors may fall into during times of tight cash flow. 
then also talks about his concept of transitioning from working in the business to working on the business. And finally, we'll close this episode with some great and easy action steps that business owners can adopt in order to take their business to the next level. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki, and you are listening to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by Aspect Legal. a professional involved in business sales and acquisitions activity, for example, if you're a broker or an accountant or a business consultant, or if you're a business owner looking to expand by acquisition or you're building to sell your business in the future, check out Talking Law's sister podcast, The Deal Room. Together with Talking Law, these are now two of the top legal podcasts in Australia. The Deal Room podcast contains information, interviews and tips and tricks relating to the world of business sales and acquisitions. We love this area of law and thought it was high time we took some of our specialist knowledge and shared it in a commercial context, rather than just talking about legal stuff on its own. We release new episodes every Tuesday. You can listen to our episodes on www.the dealroompodcast.com or you can subscribe to the Deal Room Podcast on iTunes to be the first to know when a new episode is out. Just type in the search panel in iTunes, The Deal Room Podcast. Welcome back. Earlier, Ben discussed his background in business and lessons from his experience for business owners. He also talked about his experience of being self-employed versus being a business owner, which is an important distinction. We also had some rich discussion on some of the telltale signs and red flags for when business owners ought to consider leaving the business they're in and the reasons why a business perhaps may not be viable. So now let's jump back into our conversation with Ben and talk about cash flow challenges that business owners commonly face when they're scaling up the business. And then we'll dig into the real risks of directors being personally liable during times of tight cash flow. Okay, all right. Well, we've talked about that side of business. Maybe let's launch forward a bit more to growth businesses. So I I presume we've probably dealt with a number of businesses before that are in growth phase that are going well, going all great guns and have decided to scale. I guess looking at those sorts of businesses, I'd like to talk about two aspects here. Firstly, what issues you've seen businesses face in that sort of phase that can derail them. And then maybe after that, maybe if we can just have a quick chat about what businesses should most be focusing on in that phase. But let's start off with businesses heading into a growth phase. What have you seen that can be the biggest derailers of businesses in this phase? Yeah, I think once again, um, cash flow can be, you know, I mean, growing a business is expensive, like it takes a lot of resources. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're hiring people, you're investing in marketing, you may be uh, moving to bigger premises, getting more machinery, you know, hiring uh, more contractors, who knows, right? It takes, it takes a lot of resources to build a business and to scale a business. And I think what you touched on before about making sure you're protected is really important. I've seen many people go on that uh, on that process of scaling 
and unfortunately run out of money. And when you run out of money, yeah. you stop paying your bills. Yeah. When you stop paying your bills, people start getting cranky and taking action. Yeah. And you've got I think I think business owners really need to understand their responsibility as a director because their their laws changed back in twenty twelve and made you much more liable for uh, some of the expenses you can rack up with the ATO and with superannuation that a lot of business owners aren't aware of. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you touch on that in your podcast, but certainly um, I've seen many people come and stuck with that where they personally end up being uh, so affected by closing down a business and then, of course, having a personal liability follow yeah. them around for a while whilst they try and sort that out. And that can cost them their house. Or- that's it. That's it. And look, we do talk a bit about this. and um, But I think it's one thing, us talking about it from a legal perspective, I think it's great, you know, people also hearing it from perspective of someone who's worked with a lot of businesses in the positive and, you, you know, and in these more difficult phases. You know, do, do any examples pop to mind? I think examples are great for people to, you know, really understand understand some of the risks that have faced, but can you think of any clients that you've worked with and sort of, you know, some of the real issues that have occurred when they've not really understood the issues that can occur as a director of a company? Yeah, absolutely. I I, um, I remember meeting with a woman about three months ago. In fact, she came chatting to me about the fact she was relaunching her business and I'll, I'll keep all the industry and the names um, very oblique so, so we don't, yeah. we don't um, cross any lines there with privacy, but she... Um, she had run into trouble. They'd grown the business massively and uh, run out of money on the way. And like many business owners, they find the tax department a really easy place to get a loan from because there's no loan application. You just don't pay your bills. Yes. And it gets out of hand. And as a director, um, you know, they've got this responsibility. Well, what, what was introduced in 2012 to stop these Phoenix companies happening is that you, uh, if you don't report your POYG and your superannuation, I think it is. Yeah. For then three you, months, essentially. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And you become personally liable. So, this particular woman, she built a business up, she scaled it up, and things didn't go to plan. They ran out of money and they couldn't pay their bills. And one day, without any notice, she she happened to have a personal little nest egg because the business was really profitable mm. um, that she'd put aside, but wasn't willing to reinvest back in the business. So there was a bit of a partnership also issue there as well, where a couple of partners didn't agree on on investing back into the business. And of course, in that case, when they don't have a clear agreement, one one partner is not going to whack a whole bunch of money, in and the other per- person doesn't. So the business became you know stripped of capital, didn't have the money to grow. It went bust, and one day her savings just disappeared out of her bank account, and she said it was a, a garnishee from the ATO. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. And it really derailed her, you know, as you can imagine. It was a couple of hundred thousand dollars. We're not talking yeah. about chump change. Yeah. So what would have happened in the process is, so, so that kind of hope happened on its own without her being notified, but often what happens is that directors won't update the ASIC records with their, um, you know, with their addresses. And so ASIC and, you know, the ATO will try and contact them and on the basis of the old records that they have registered of the ASIC mm. register and you you know, so they miss all of these notifications and, and the first thing they know is, as you say, a garnishee order that's been whacked on them. I think the issues for directors is there, there's no point. I mean, you might be able to negotiate a payment plan. Of course, once they've got the money, it's going to be, you're not going to be able to pull it back out again. But before you get to that point, you might be able to organise a payment plan. But once you've triggered personal liability, that's it. You've triggered it. You know, there's no, uh, okay, let's now look at liquidating the company and try and save ourselves from the personal liability element in that way. So it really good point for you to bring up. And as I say, 
it's um it's great for our audience to hear someone other than us as the lawyers talking about it because they uh, they realize that that it's real you know and out there it does it does happen you know i mean yeah. i've got i've got a lot of different stories but that's probably the one that comes to mind because i remember uh, what a, a a huge effect it had on her mentally, and the phone call that I received, and mm. and you know, quite often as in in our industry, we build relationships with people, and and they're these trusted relationships where they do tell us these things that are going on, mm. and uh, and there are times when when you know if you don't know your obligations, the ATO can be really really uh, mm. aggressive in collecting yeah. their money, yeah. and and they will send out nasty letters. They'll give you twenty one days to pay, or uh, you know they're winding you up. So mm. you know, yeah, and and if you structure yourself properly, which I know you would be uh, all on top of. But, you know, if companies structure themselves properly where they have different companies set up for their assets, for their trading accounts, et cetera, it is very simple to negotiate our way through. And funnily enough, um, you know, when we talk about the issues of growth, I see a lot of people who hold on too long, but the tax department and uh, and the government actually promotes you doing the right thing. So if you are insolvent, if you're not trading solvently, they actually encourage you to liquidate. That's what yeah. the process is there for. They want you to to be doing the right thing. And it's, and it's difficult. It's, you know, of course, it's a... The ego takes a hit and, mm. you know, you, you're going to have to sort out some people who are going to ask a lot of questions, maybe employees, need new contracts, who knows. But, you know, it's, it's there to protect yourself, you mm. know, in, primarily. So use use it to your advantage is what I say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, and I think these changes that created this automatic liability for directors, you know, if they're more than three months late in reporting and them paying their bazers, they, they're in place because they don't want business owners to do what – had been happening, which was just stop reporting. You know, business mm. owners tend to, when, they, when they've got a tight cash flow, they can't pay their bills. As you say, they um, use the ATO as their um, line of credit, but they do that, or traditionally they did it, by just not reporting anymore to the ATO, by just not doing their bases. So, so that's why these changes came into place. And it's quite simple to comply and to protect yourself, you need to keep filing, even if you're having difficulty with cash flow, and you need to seek help quickly. I think that's the point, quick, quick yeah. assistance. Okay, all right. So what else in growth phase have you seen, I guess, sometimes trip up organisations? So I've seen another big issue for uh, business owners as they grow a business is being able to let go. And if the business is all about you as a business owner and you grow, let's say you grow rapidly and you get a whole bunch of new clients, you're going to get busy real fast doing the work. And so you've got to make this transition from working in the business to on the business. And I think that's also very, very important, mm. um, which, which then brings to another issue, which you've got to become really good at recruiting people, leading people, managing people. Um, and when I say managing people, obviously managing them to do their job, but sometimes you've got to manage people out as well. Mm. Um, you've got to manage people in. You've got to manage them relationships between people. It's a whole new ball game mm. uh, once, you, once you start hiring people. And I think, you know, one of my uh, good friends, Natasha Hawker from H, she's a HR specialist in a company mm. called Employee Matters. She has this saying that I love, and it's, she says, people are your greatest asset, but they're also your greatest liability. And um, yeah. because if you, don't, if you don't get it right, that can be a real issue. And I've seen a lot of people as they grow their business, um, just hire people that haven't put a lot of thought into job descriptions, KPI systems, mm. accountability, training, all of, all these mm. things that have to go along with that. Mm-mm. And so where where do you suggest business owners get some of these skills that they need for leadership, I guess, and for management? So it depends on on you know your background. I guess it's one. It's a hard question to answer. I mean, it's definitely something that we do in our programs. We teach people to be better at recruiting, leading, yeah. managing people. And uh, but not everybody wants to work with with, uh, with a coach. You know, some some people are great with reading books. You know, I remember 
when I started to build my team and I had about 35 or 40 people in my team, I was really struggling. And I, I was finding that in my team, I was getting these little, um, and I hadn't had that big a business before with employees. And I, I'd coach people like that, but not myself personally. And I had these little pods of people getting together, um, almost like mini unions, if you like, within my team, cre- <laughs> cre- creating these little problems for me. Instead of trying to face it and be proactive, I, I I was just sort of letting it go on and then it festered and festered to a point where I thought, I've got to do something about this. And and a part of it was I wasn't a great leader. And the first thing is, is admitting that, you know, no, mm. no one's born a leader. You've got to train to be a leader. And that's mm. really understanding how to how to work with people because everyone's different, right? So I actually, I, I bought every leadership book I could buy mm. in the in the local bookstores. I think I bought 21 or 22 books. Wow. Uh, on leadership, and I just consumed them, and I took all the best bits, and that's what I—that's how I developed my leadership style. And my team love the way I lead now. So, uh, I think it just depends on what type of person you are as to how you're going to go about training yourself to be better at managing people and leading people. Uh, and but you've got to do it. Like it's not—it's a non-negotiable if you're going to build a team. Yeah, yeah. And maybe if you could share with us, like, what, what's the top one or two things that you took from these books and then you implemented that you think have had the the, the biggest, uh, I guess, outcome. So the the key things that I I find have worked really well for me is I never have anyone work for me, um, and I'm very clear about that. When I build a team, I don't I don't put staff on because um, I think staff do staff all. <laughs> mm. I uh, I build a team of people that we work and we and we work together. And so I always say, you know, you don't work for me, you work with me. So I have this um, I, I have this policy where you have to work autonomously and be responsible for yourself. Um, I don't watch what time you come to work. I don't watch what time you go. I don't watch what how much time you spend on Facebook. And I don't mind if you're on Facebook. I understand that during the day you might need your brain to take a rest from thinking about my business. My business can't be the highest priority in your life because then you're a mixed up person. Your family and yourself has to be highest priority. So I have this whole philosophy that I'm okay with the fact that you're not going to be at 100% go, go, go all day, it's impossible. I'm not. I, mm. I just expect a good couple of hours out of your day. What I really hold high as a value is integrity. So I say if you say you're going to do something, then make sure you do it. And if you can't meet that uh, agreement, communicate it at your earliest knowledge of knowing that you're not going to make that deadline or get that job done. And I found that works really well because people feel empowered if they know you trust them just to get the job done and that they feel safe letting you know if there's been a hurdle or a problem that has stopped them from being able to complete the task. And I, you know, for me, that was, um, it wasn't something that I had to change what I did. It was that I had a belief that leadership had to be different to that. When I allowed myself just to be that person, which is what I would prefer anyway, I mm. found the team really loved it. Now, there are some people that take advantage of it. Well, guess what? They don't get to stick around. Mm. They have to go and work somewhere where there is more accountability and strict and where you put your mobile phone in a locker when you walk into the office. <laughs> That's not the environment that I wanted. So um, I found that worked well for me. Yeah, great. Okay. All right. Wonderful. So then what do you think perhaps are the easiest things that business owners can do to create a successful business or take their business to the next level? It's funny. Um, uh, you've probably heard of Stephen Covey. Mm. He, he talks here that book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, there's a lot of things that he spoke about that are – but one of the things I took from from learning from him was this thing called the time target. And he talks about the different activities in your day as an entrepreneur, how some things are urgent and important and they're the demands of the, you know your client ringing up or uh, it could be having to get a sale or paying a bill to keep the lights on. He said some things are a distraction. So he's there – you know, these are the things that are not urgent, not important. 
Uh, and he said there's things that are uh, where you're in delusion. So this avoidance behavior, you know, when you've got to do mm. some, you know, 20 cold calls, but you think going to office works and getting paper is more important. <laughs> um, yes. But then he said there's this zone he calls, the, well, this section he calls the zone of your time when you're in the zone. And the zone is where you work on things that are important but not urgent. Mm. And so I always look at a business owner and say, okay, well, how many of those things are you doing? Now, these are the things that if you don't do them, it's not going to be the end of the world, but it's going to stop your business from growing. Mm. And they're things like sitting down and doing a plan. Mm. Um, you know, doing a plan is not urgent, but it's important. Uh, doing a marketing plan, not urgent, but it's important. Uh, working out, um, you know, your default diary. So what are the tasks that you're going to do? It's not urgent, but it's important. Uh, working out what tasks you can actually delegate that would be easy for you to delegate and free up some of your time to work on the more important things. Mm. Uh, once again, not urgent, but important. So all of these things that you think about working, I call it working on the business. Mm. And I see so many business owners working in the business so much that by the time they're done in their day, they're too tired to work on the business. Well, you've, you've got to make time to work on the business. So the easiest way to grow a business is to plan it, mm. is to sit down and work out, okay, well, how am I going to grow this business? Actually think about how many customers do I need? Uh, where am I going to get these customers from? How much am I prepared to pay per customer? So that's my acquisition cost. Uh, what is my sales process? Then if I generate a lead, have I got a documented sales process that ensures I maximize my conversion rate, which of course reduces my acquisition cost because I'm converting more of my leads into customers? Am I dealing with the right customers? Like, am I taking on any work because I'm desperate and I'm doing stuff that I'm not making money from? Or am I really honed in on the right type of people to work with? So I'm working with customers that not only do I enjoy working with, but, uh, you know, are profitable and give me lots of referrals and they pay their bills quickly. Um, you know, there's all of these things. And it's it's if you can take a step out of your business just for a day or two every quarter and work on thinking about, okay, what are the things I can find? Because there's lots of little things. It's not one big thing mm. to be successful in business. It's 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 lots of little things that make a, a great business. Uh, but you've got to take the time out to work on them. Mm, yeah. Look, I think that's um that it, that's such a good point that you're making. And I, I think it also depends on um why someone has gone into business in in the first place. You know, some people really don't enjoy that process, and some people mm. do. Um, but I guess it's about recognizing um what you are and what you enjoy doing because, um, you know, it's very hard to grow a business if you're not devoting time to answering those questions. So if you're not the, you know, if you don't enjoy doing it, then, then perhaps that's when you absolutely need to bring, bring someone else in to work with you personally through it to ensure that you actually, you know, are answering some of these questions. Mm, I think, and the other thing that comes into play, Joanne, is uh, psychology. I think, you are trained as a human being uh, from the minute that you start going to school that you have a start and a stop time. And, you know, I think that you speak to most business owners, if they were to take every Friday off and sit on the beach just thinking about how to grow their business, they'd actually feel guilty about doing yeah. that. And it's a psychology, right? Because yeah. if when you have a job, if you don't turn up at 8.30 when you're told to, and you, t I mean, I know some employers, if you took a, a lunch break and you took three minutes longer than you were supposed to, You'd be questioned about it. Mm. I've seen employers question employees that go to the toilet too often. Well, you can't help it if you've got a weak bladder. <laughs> but, but this this stuff exists there. That's it's it's crazy. <laughs> wow, it exists. So so psychologically, as human beings, if we're not working when we're supposed to be working, you know, in, in, I'm doing air quotes right there because that's a <laughs> that's something that's been embedded into our head. People feel guilty, and I was the same. Don't don't. I'm, I'm no different. I had to work my way through that myself. So and I and I work with a lot of clients over the years on helping them understand that it's okay just to take a day out or half a day out and just 
turn your phone off, yeah. turn your laptop off. Even if you're just sitting on the beach or in the, your favorite park or playing a game of golf, whatever it is you love to do, you could be crocheting something, you could be painting a picture, you could be out doing photography. Your brain's always going to think about your business. Yeah. And you shouldn't feel guilty about taking that quiet time to think about how how can I make my business better because that's that's the most important time. Mm. I think um, who was it that said? I think it might have been. Uh, uh, I, I go to a lot of uh, training and, and talks and things. And I remember I think it was John McGrath. Uh, he said to he, I think it was him. He said he said it's what you say to yourself about yourself when you buy yourself that matters the most. Mm. And I just love that saying. Mm, yeah, mm, it is a great saying. I think you're absolutely right. It's so hard for business owners who, the most part, are actually quite high achievers as well, you know, and focused mm. on this concept that the more hours they put in, the more they'll get out. But it's not really about that at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I've discovered something about myself personally. Um, the time when I am most creative and come up with the best ideas for the business is actually when I'm at the gym listening to a podcast on double speed. Something, it does something to my head. <laughs> and that's yeah. when, you know, I come up with all of my best ideas. But it's just, it's interesting because, you know, I, I mean, we've got a legal practice. Lawyers are uh, renowned for um, spending many hours sitting and, um, you know, just plugging away at a computer. But it, it was a fascinating discovery for me personally to realize that I am my most creative when I'm out of the office environment. And I think that's probably true of many, many business owners as well. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I can relate to that because I, not when I'm exercising, I don't go to the gym anywhere near where I should if anyone's seen my figure, <laughs> but uh, uh, more so when I go to these workshops and it's funny, I can go to a whole one-day workshop and hardly, actually, I get to the end of the day and go, well, I hardly listen to that speaker, especially if they're not really engaging, but the time that I'm not listening to them is probably because they said something amazing and it's triggered my brain into thinking yeah. and then a great idea comes out. So yeah. I go into those days saying, if I come out with just one great idea, I'm happy. Yeah, 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 yeah I agree. So maybe part of the the uh, message that we're portraying here at the moment today as well is to um, be a bit softer on yourself as a business owner and allow yourself that time away from the business without feeling you have to cane yourself to get um, outcomes. I, I think that's a really important mm -hmm. message. Okay, good. All right. Well, look, thank you so much for all of your input, um, Ben. I, I guess, you know, do, do you have any sort of last nuggets that you would like to leave our listening audience about, um, you know, suggestions that you have for them with their business? You, you've talked about getting out of the business and focusing on the important, not urgent. Anything else there that, um, you know, you feel we should leave our listeners with to keep in mind? Yeah, look, I think, um, and it's what I tell a lot of business owners, is don't settle. Uh, don't think that what you've got right now is what you have to have. And I see too many business owners working really hard and thinking there's no other way out. And that's what I was trapped in all those years ago with my transport company, uh, where I was, you know, I was definitely suffering from depression. There are plenty of people out there that are willing to talk to you and help you. Mm. Uh, and, and I think you, you don't need to be embarrassed if you're not where you want to be, go and get some help. No one starts their business to fail. That's the reality, right? Mm. I, I've spoken to a lot of business owners and I've never ever had someone say to me, Ben, I started so I could fail. Mm. Yet over 90% of businesses fail. And the reason for that is because they don't look for help. You know, if you, I mean, look, look at you for example, Joanna, as a lawyer, you can't be a lawyer without going and training. For how, how many years did you have to train? Yeah, gosh, I don't know. Like six years at uni, you know, another year mm. getting, you know, post-grad diplomas and then we've got practical time and then, you know, you don't know anything until you've been in a legal firm for five or ten years. So <laughs> it's, there you go, there's, you know, a couple of decades gone on it. <laughs> of learning to be a great lawyer. That's it. Now, how 
How much time do you reckon most business owners put into learning to be a great business yeah, owner? Yeah, good point, Ben. That's a really good point. Mm. That's so true. Absolutely. Yeah, good so, point. So it's, it's just you don't know what you don't know. So my little wisdom, a parting wisdom would be get out there and, and just, you know, if you want to do better, you've got to go and learn how to do better. It's, you will never be born with the skills. There's no such thing as a born entrepreneur or a born leader. You are going to have to learn the skills, and the skills are easy to learn. And, and, and I guess this day and age, it's much easier than it ever was. It's the, it's the best time to be in business. It's an amazing time to be in business because there is so much available to us at our fingertips. At, 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 you know, it's just amazing these days. So I always say to people, get out there and learn as much as you can about growing your business, and you will, you will get a better business. Mm. But if you don't make an effort to do it, uh, no one's going to do it for you. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter how much they care about you, no one else is going to make you successful. Mm, that's fabulous. All right, Ben, thank you so much for coming on to Talking Law today. How do our listeners find you if they want to find out more? I think the best way is if they head across to maxmyprofit.com.au, that's our website. We're all about helping you build the business you imagine. So if you imagine having a business that, uh, you know, was was giving you a better lifestyle, better income, uh, you know, working less hours and maybe it was a bit more fun, then maybe we can help you. Like I said, you know, we, we can't help everybody. Mm. We're pretty picky about who we work with because we're looking for really motivated uh, business owners that want to make that change. But if you think that's you, then head to maxmyprofit.com.au. Heaps of free resources there as well. Lots of templates and downloads, our blog. Uh, but also, if you want to have a quick chat with one of my team, that's probably the best place to go. Great. And you also have a podcast so um, where you talk about all things business. So where should our um, listeners go if they want to pop along from this podcast straight over in iTunes or Stitcher or Android over to over to your podcast? Yeah, just go to uh, any of your favourite, go to your favourite podcast player and just look for Business Brain Food or you can go to businessbrainfood.com.au. We have an amazing thing there called the Smart Podcast Player that makes it really easy for you to listen. But of course, uh, most of you like listening to it on your phone, so iTunes is probably the place to go, but Business Brain Food. Great. Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Joanna. I appreciate it. Great. And that wraps up our conversation with Ben Futurul of Max My Profit. If you liked what you heard today, pop over to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher for Android and hit subscribe to be the first to know when we have a new episode out. And of course, if you know anybody who might want to hear or in fact needs to hear the insights and warnings that Ben and I talked about in this episode, go ahead and share this episode with them. On our show notes, we also provide an option for you to download a copy of the full transcript to this episode if you'd like to read it in more detail or if you would like to book in a free appointment with one of our lawyers at Aspect Legal to discuss how we might be able to assist you and your business, just head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au. Look for this episode and there you'll find a download link. So, look, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.